Y'all remember when the first iPhone came out? You know? Like, when it came out, smartphones weren't really a thing. I had, what was that, the LG Voyager, right? And that was, like, the closest thing to a smartphone. It had a little touch screen, flipped over, had a keyboard. It was pretty tight. But, no, when the iPhone first came out, I promise there's a bigger point to this, so just bear with me. When the iPhone first came out, it was, like, I think four or 500 bucks. And, you know, that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. I mean, what it could do, you could actually like browse the web. You had all these cool apps. $500. And then it was, what, like a year later, Verizon had them. And Verizon would actually give you an iPhone if you signed up for like a two or four year contract or something like that. They just gave you the iPhone for free. Now... This is the thing, though, right? Because then Verizon started paying that money for people to switch to have an iPhone. But what ended up happening was after, you know, the next generation of iPhones came out, these marketing guys at Apple, they look at each other and they're like, dude, this thing made record sales. And there were a whole gang of people already willing to pay four or five hundred bucks for it. And now Verizon is giving people the $500. They'll probably still pay if we want to charge a little more. So then the next iPhone comes out and, like, you know, you're out of pocket, $100, $150. And then Verizon still kicks that $400 over to Apple. And it's gone on and on and on for years. Where now I think, like, the iPhone X or XS, or whatever the whatever they call it. I'm trying not to curse here. Yeah, the iPhone now is like $1,200 for like the Primo iPhone. Which is totally crazy. That cost spiraled out of control. And now, I don't really care much about cell phones. I mean, obviously, I use mine all the time. But... kind of crazy when you think about it how the cost of the phone kept going up because Verizon was subsidizing the cost by paying part of it for you and that's exactly what's happened with our college system too if you I mean if you examine it objectively at least this is the way I see it somebody you know I've had a lot of I've actually had a lot of responses recently so if I'm wrong definitely reach out to me I'd be more than happy to talk about it. I, I really love when people reach out to me about the podcast. But yeah, I, I mean, y'all kind of get where I'm coming from, right? When, you know, when when the university system, as we know it today, you know, and what was that, I guess, probably the 60s. Back then, you could pay for a semester of school in your earnings from a summer job. Like, you could feasibly work during the summer and make enough money to pay to go to school with that same money. But now, what with loan guarantees and everything like that, not even close. If you were making that much money in your summer job to pay for a whole year of school now, why the hell would you even be going to school? You would just do that. 
you know, I think most universities in Virginia, I think are like something like $14,000 a year for like a, a public university, not a, not a private school, not even like a top of the line school, like, like UVA schools like that are even more expensive. And then you're also looking at the cost of living, you know, room and board, food, all that stuff. College is more expensive now than it's ever been. And all of this really started once the government started doing loan guarantees for school. And it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Like if they just, everything the government touches just turns to ash, like immediately. I mean, at least it sure seems like it. And there are certain things that are really important that the government does, but I think this is the easiest example when you hear most small government conservative types talking about, you know, the government turning everything to ash. This is the prime example. As soon as they started guaranteeing those loans, these colleges looked at each other and they're like, well, they were already willing to pay, you know, more than a thousand dollars out of pocket just to be here. So we'll take all this free government money. But we still want that out-of-pocket money from them, too. And it just has gone up and up and up since then. So it was, I was talking about this cell phone thing with a fairly conservative friend of mine. Just because, I, you know, like I said, this was something that occurred to me pretty recently. And so I was talking to him about it. Like, you know, the comparison, does it work? And like I said, he he's a pretty conservative guy. If he was interested in being on the podcast, then I would mention him by name. Uh, so maybe at a future date. He'll probably be on here sooner or later. But anyway, so I was talking to him about the cell phone comparison, and he, he pointed out something really interesting to me also. At the time that that iPhone came out, that iPhone 1, the most popular phone for most people to have was the Motorola Razor. And other than, like, the BlackBerry, the iPhone was really the only phone of its kind. So when you spent that $450, $500 to get an iPhone, it was never more of an improvement to have an iPhone as opposed to a Motorola Razor than it was at that time. Which kind of is an interesting comparison, again, to the college thing. Where, if you look at the time that you could pay for a year of school in your earnings from your summer job, it was never more valuable to have a college education than it was at that time as well. A college education could earn you a whole boatload of money and you were basically guaranteed a job like that that cost of having a college education was 100% worth it because whatever you did with that college education you'd get it paid back tenfold now compared to nowadays that $1200 iPhone is it really that much better than the $50 pay-as-you-go AT&T phone. I mean, sure, it's a lot nicer. The camera's better. But both take pictures. 
both get you online. Both have an app store that can, you know, get you navigation software or any multitude of other applications. So now that $1,200 iPhone has, by comparison, really never been worth less, despite all the improvements that they made. I mean, they do really make great phones. And I know plenty of you guys have iPhones. I I, I see it. Uh, the stats it gives me on the show shows me that a lot of people listen on mobile and people are listening on mobile Apple products. So I know tons of you guys have iPhones. And probably not a nominal amount, or not a marginal amount, I should say, of you also have a college education. Yet we're at a point in history now where over 50% of college graduates can't find work associated with their degree. So even though the cost of college has never been higher, even though more uni- there are more universities now than there were back then, there's more market competition. And yet now people are paying more than they ever have so that they can get a college education. And yet, having a college education really has never been worth less than it is today. Not to say that you don't learn a ton of great things, but just to say that in terms of financial compensation, the way I see it, I just don't think the numbers quite add up. I just think it's uh, it's kind of interesting, the, the way of cell phones and Verizon subsidies and the way of college and government subsidies. And now, anymore today, because of this, you know, the exponential rise in the cost of college and the low, low job placement numbers for people in their degree fields, you hear more and more people now than ever are talking about, you know, free college. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's like Bernie, that's like probably 50% of Bernie Sanders' platform, free college, free education, well, taxpayer funded for, you know, for those of you who just squirmed a little bit when I said it. Uh, but yeah, taxpayer funded health care and taxpayer funded college education. Those are like the two big platforms that he's running on. Now, me personally, I, I, I'm in a, I, I am attending a community college currently, but the program that I'm in is really more like a trade certification than it is a degree. So it's more like a trade certificate, though it is technically like an associate's degree by the time I'm done. I really think that that's a better route for most people. I mean, especially like, dude, if you hated high school, don't pay for college. Get into a trade. There's all kinds of really good trades out there and a lot of really interesting ones now too. You don't just have to like be a plumber or an electrician. There's all kinds of really cool trades out there. Now I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about the medic Medicare stuff, Medicare for all. That's gonna be for a different episode. So let's just focus on colleges. And right now, the growing push to make college education a human right. So, like I said, stay tuned. More of that in just a second.
more and more people want college to, you know, like I said, be this. I mean, college really is the standard now. And you have to have some post-secondary education, whether it's trade school or college. You can't really do much with just a high school diploma. And a lot of people pointed that and raised the very obvious question. Like, the public school system has really let down a lot of people. Because the education that they get in high school, as far as employers are concerned, is more or less worthless. Now, not to say that you didn't learn anything in high school. I'm definitely not suggesting that. I think uh, I think there's a lot of really important things you learn while you're in high school. That being said, there's not you're not very marketable if all you have is a high school diploma. Or, God forbid, if you don't have one. But that being said, those same people, including myself that are here saying, you know, you were really let down by the public school system. You slipped through the crack. It didn't really do its job. More times than not, those are the same people arguing to to make college part of the public school system. I mean, to me, that really doesn't, that really doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, I do think that Bernie Sanders is a he's an honest guy. Some of his policies I don't really agree with, though I do agree where the problems are. I definitely agree. We can agree on what the problems are. I just in certain instances I disagree with his idea of how to solve it. So why is it that you know, people who are saying that these institutions are racist, public school is racist, you know, there's, these institutions are corrupt, and they have too much power, and those are the same, like I said, more often than not, I'm not trying to mischaracterize anybody here, but I'm just saying more often than not, those are the same people trying to give more power to those same institutions, and think that, you know, college education should essentially be part of the public school system. That's what happens when you make college, when you make a college a human right and everybody has a right to post-secondary education. That's, I mean, that's basically what you're advocating for. Now, I understand that many people will probably argue that college is a little different because with the public school system, you have to go to the school in your district and you don't get a choice of your teachers or your courses. You know, you're more or less locked in geographically. Where with college, you can go to any college that you want. You can pick your college. We're not saying that you need to go to that particular college because it's closest to you. I mean, maybe, you know, if you were to make college a public institution that was taxpayer funded, maybe you'd be limited to your home state unless you were an exemplary student or something like that. Isn't that just the same as school vouchers? I mean, seriously. If you're saying that the problem with public schools is that you're locked in geographically, where the reason why public college would be just fine is because you get to pick and choose. You're literally advocating for school vouchers as the reason why a public college system, or rather a taxpayer-funded college system, would work. So wouldn't it stand a reason that the same fix 
could potentially fix the public school system also. And like I said, I mean, I, I could totally be wrong. This is not my area of expertise. Honestly, I wish I had like my, I wish I had Latham back on the show to talk about this or maybe my sister who's also an elementary education major. Geez, try and say that 10 times fast after you've had three beers. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm genuinely asking somebody out there who's more educated, please reach out and let me know if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounds like school vouchers for public school might improve the public school system enough that it could be competitive. And then even on that level, if you could pick and choose your public school, I mean, sure, they would still have to meet certain, like, uh, in Virginia, we have SOL standards, like a standard of learning test that you have to take. So the school has to at least fill those criteria. But just imagine for a second that, you know, your school meets SOL standards, but there is a paper mill or a machine shop that is really big in this area. And since the school gets most of their tax dollars from that machine shop, the machine shop says, hey, we'll make an additional donation of half a million or a million dollars a year. But as part of your curriculum, we want you to teach your, you know, your high school sophomores and juniors, we want you to teach them how to use a lathe or how to use a CNC machine. And we'll give you additional money and we'll give you the equipment for these students to learn on. And then by the time they graduate high school, they'll already know how to work in our factory. And the best news is we we pay $20 an hour. So then anybody in the state or, you know, within a certain realm of area would have the option of like, yeah, you know, college isn't for me. I really hate school or rather probably a parent saying this about their child, like, you know. My kid never does their homework. They're, they're not really not the college material. But they are intelligent. Or, or they are a very hard worker. Maybe I'll just, you know, me and a few of the other parents that my kids are friends with, one of us, you know, will drive them to that school district, to that school where they learn this trade. And then by the time they graduate high school, they'll already know how to do this. And I mean, that could be anything. I mean, in certain areas, you know, if a hospital is very large, they could do like a pre-med or nursing or something like that. Have a school that, you know, a regular high school that meets SOL criterias. But in addition to that, this particular school specializes in a, uh, what do they call that? Do they call that a prep school? I think they call that a college prep school by current definitions. You know, we're college prep for medical, we're college prep for law. I don't know. I think that there's a way to fix this. I agree that the education system is very broken. And for that, I'm really glad. I'm really glad that Bernie is doing a great job on his campaign because now we have to find solutions for it, for these problems because somebody is asking about them and they're getting a lot of traction. Like I said, these are just my thoughts. I would love to do another episode about this and have somebody on here where we could really get in the nitty gritty because I'm not educated enough on this topic to even know where to begin. So, for any of you, thank you for listening. 
I look forward to uh to what y'all uh, look forward to what y'all think.